Years ago, I knew someone who was a camp tender for a big sheep ranch up in the mountains. In the summer, on this particular ranch, each sheep herder would take a band of sheep way back in the hills so they could graze up in the high country. And then he'd spend the whole summer back in the high lonesome with his dogs and his horses herding that band of sheep. And as one place got grazed down, he'd gradually move the band under new grass. So what's the camp tender do? The camp tender is a guy goes around to the different sheep camps and brings in supplies, things like flour and bacon powder and beans, whatever the sheep herders need. Now besides food, there's one really important item that you might not think of right off the bat. In fact, it's a critical item that the camp tender had to make sure that every herder had a really good supply of. Okay, so what was that item? It was bullets. Bullets. It might sound harsh, but we don't live in a Walt Disney cartoon with forests full of friendly talking animals that you can hunker down with and have a little cup of tea. So the sheep herders had to make good use of those bullets. See, sheep are pretty helpless when it comes to self-defense. In fact, self-defense in the world of sheep consists of bleeding louder or running around panic in a circle. It's not exactly the type of behavior that strikes terror into the hearts of predators, especially predators that like mutton, like coyotes, for example. One spring day a few years back, one of my students brought in some pictures of what coyotes had done to their band of sheep a couple nights before. They didn't have a sheep herder. I don't remember the exact number right now, but there was something like 35 head of sheep down. Now they were down, but they weren't dead. See, the coyotes had hamstrung a bunch of the ewes. The, they're, they're, that means they're tearing off what, what it, it's the equivalent of the Achilles tendon and then eating so they can't run and then eat part of the hams while they're still alive they'd torn the throats out of a few eaten some lambs grabbed some by the throat and worried them to death and generally made a bloody mutilated mess of those sheep over about 10 acres of country and then they did what coyotes do which is just trot off to find something else to do and they left all those poor mangled sheep laying on the prairie just bleeding and panting waiting for someone or something to come along and kill them and put them out of their misery. Now suppose you made your living on sheep, and that was just one night with the coyotes. And keep in mind that coyotes are not the only predator in that part of the country that likes lamb or mutton. Besides coyotes, you've got wolves, you've got lions, eagles, bears, both black and grizzly and so forth. So you get the picture. Now this is Good Shepherd Sunday, and you're the sheep that belongs to him. Along with the holy angels, your patron saints, and the Blessed Virgin, I'm supposed to be hurting you all for him. And I'm supposed to be protecting your supernatural life of sanctifying grace that you received in baptism from all the attacks of the devil and the world and the flesh, huh? And they're very real. We not, might not be quite so aware of it, although as we become more and more a neo-pagan neo society, these things will become more obvious. But certainly if you know anybody that comes from a satanic country, like Nepal or India, someplace like that, that's definitely ruled by Satan, they can tell you stories about the powers that the devils have to torment people, about the power that uh, witch doctors and, and so forth have over them. Anyway, today we're going to talk about one particular type of protection the Good Shepherd has given to, for the, to the church to protect his sheep, and that's sacramentals. 
We'll start with just a few basic questions and answers from the catechism. Quote, question, what are sacramentals? Answer, sacramentals are holy things or actions of which the church makes use of to obtain for us from God, through her intercession, spiritual and temporal favors. Question, what are the chief kinds of sacramentals? Answer, the chief kinds of sacramentals are, first, blessings given by priests and bishops, second, exorcisms against evil spirits, and third, blessed objects of devotion. Close quote. Now let's spend a few minutes taking a quick look at a few examples of each of these chief kinds of sacramentals. First, blessings given by priests and bishops. Most of these are pretty obvious. There's a lot of them right during Mass. But one we may not be aware of is the one that we get at the end of absolution when we go to confession. There's a blessing right then, a sacramental when the priest, priest starts saying Pasi Dominus Jesu Christi and so forth, which means in English what he's saying, may the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, the merits of the Blessed Virgin Mary and of all the saints, and also whatever good you do and whatever evil you endure because for the remission of your sins, the increase of grace and the reward of everlasting life. Amen. That's what he's saying. This is an extremely powerful blessing. What does it do? It turns all of our good works, every single one of our acts of penance, every single one of our acts of mortification, and all of our sufferings into sacramentals. So that just by the power of that blessing, all these acts then begin to remit our sins, increase our grace, obtain eternal life because he's attached to the sacrament. So he moves it from one level to a whole other level to make it easier to grow in holiness, to protect ourselves from ourselves. It'd be easy. I'm not exaggerating. It'd be easy to preach a whole sermon on this one blessing. There's that much just in that blessing. It would, and you could take 20 minutes and it wouldn't be stretching it. Well, now, since we're on the topic of blessing, there's another truth we should remind ourselves of. The Catechism also points out, quote, the lady can bless, but not in the name of the church. Thus, we have the custom of parents blessing their children. In these private blessings, the more pious the person giving the blessing, the greater its effect. Close quote. Parents, every night you ought to be giving your kids a blessing. One way to do it is to use your thumb and trace out the sign of the cross in your kid's forehead where you say something along the lines of may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, descend upon you and protect you from all evil. Words to that effect. You can do this while they're already lying in bed or have them kneel down in front of you to get this blessing before they go to bed or if they're going to go out. You can also use blessed oil, olive oil when you do it. That ups, it, ups the ante and it has a blessing against bad dreams. If you do this every night, it'll actually help your children grow in grace and holiness and not only protect them from evil, but especially help them with regards to the fourth commandment. Father, would you tell us how to do that again? Yes. Use your thumb to make the sign of the cross on their forehead while you're saying something. May the blessing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost descend upon you and protect you from all evil. You do it when they're laying down. Have them kneel down but uh, before they get the blessing, you can use blessed olive oil. You can also do this for your godchildren or your grandchildren, somebody you have dominion over. Okay? And the saints knew this. St. Thomas More's father was a judge in a very low-level court. Just, a, you know, a, a judge in a simple court. But even when St. Thomas More was the Lord High Chancellor of England, he's the second most powerful man in all the realm, every time he passed by his father's court, he'd walk in, 
And as soon as an opportune moment, he'd kneel down and get his father's blessing. Right in front of everyone present. This is the second most powerful man in all England. He'd kneel down to get his father's blessing in front of all these people that are arraigned in court. This is only my personal opinion right now. But I'm convinced that by being so faithful about receiving his father's blessing and not worrying about what everyone else around him thought, St. Thomas More got the grace from God to not only be faithful to his father, but to be faithful to the Holy Father and not worry about what everyone else around him thought. It's an important thing. Bless your kids when they're going to bed and if they're going out. Use your thumb to make the sign of the cross on their forehead when you're saying something like, May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost descend upon you and protect you from all evil. You can use olive oil. You can do it when they're going to bed. Have them kneel down, what have you. Okay? So blessings. That's the first chief kind of sacrament. Second, exorcisms against evil spirits. We've all heard of exorcisms of possessed people. We're not going to talk about that right now, although that's a sacramental. Uh, I will make one parenthetical quote. People sometimes wonder who the exorcist is. It's easy. Every diocese has one. He's called the bishop. That's who the exorcist is. He may appoint a priest, but every diocese has an exorcist by virtue of his office, and he's called the bishop. Anyway, these exorcisms of possessed people are not the only kind of exorcism. The exorcisms before baptism are real exorcisms and break away bondage and any kind of dominion evil spirit has. Blessed olive oil and blessed salt that everyone should have around home. Those have real exorcisms. Okay? Holy water. This just stuff just flattens the little morons from hell. Let me read you just a few lines from the blessing of holy water. And holy water has blessed salt in it, too. This is just a few lines. I'm just cutting and pasting, okay? Listen to the, some of the things that the church, the power of the church has put into holy water. Quote, I exercise you, you meaning the water, I exercise you that you may become a means of salvation for believers, that you may bring health of soul and body to all who make use of you, and that you may put to flight and drive away from the places where you are sprinkled every demonic apparition, wickedness, and every cunning diabolical deceit, and every unclean spirit, dot, 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 may it rid whatever it touches or is sprinkled upon of all uncleanness and protect it from every salt of evil spirits, dot, dot, dot. I exercise you so that you may put to flight all the power of the enemy and be able to root out and supplant that enemy with his apostate angels through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ who will come to judge the living and the dead in the world by fire, dot, dot, dot. May this become an agent of divine grace to drive away evil spirits and dispel sickness, so that everything in the homes and other buildings of the faithful that is sprinkled with this water may be rid of all uncleanness and freed from every harm. Let no breath of infection, no disease-bearing air remain in these places. May the wilds of the lurking enemy prove of no avail. Let whatever might menace the safety and peace of those who live here be put to flight by the sprinkling of this water. Close quote. Now that's only a few lines from blessing holy water. It's right there all the time. This stuff is powerful. Everyone needs to keep holy water around their home. It's powerful stuff. The saints knew this. That great Dominican saint, Vincent Ferrer, is one of the greatest miracle workers that's ever lived, had another very practical use for holy water. A woman who was always arguing and bickering with her husband, came and asked the saint for advice. St. Vincent gave her a bottle of water from the monastery and told her that as soon as her husband began to scold her, she ought to take a good drink, but not to swallow it. He told her to just keep the water in her mouth until her husband finished, and then to swallow it, and that that would help the both of them. 
She got the blessings of the holy water. She resists an irritation of sin and increased the harmony of home. This really works. It's not a joke. As an old-time missionary priest used to say, quote, During missions, I recommend this to women, and it always proves helpful. Close quote. So exorcisms are the second kind of sacramental. Third chief kind are blessed objects of devotion. We've all got a blessed rosary. Just keep that with us all the time. We're all wearing the brown scapular. At least we better be. If someone here isn't, you need to get enrolled in that. And don't waste any time. We've always got tons of them around. Today we also have a series of blessed objects. That's what's piled up back there. We want everyone to have. Make sure when you leave today, at least one person from each household goes out the main doors so you can pick them up. Okay? Go out the main doors. Now, I'll say this right now, but I'll say it again later. Uh, everybody gets all the medals and cards, but only one, one thing of bread per household. We didn't make enough bread for every single person because it's not that necessary. I'll get to that later. Okay. So anyway, we've got St. Benedict's medal back there for every single person. That's the only medal that has an exorcism on it. And there's one for every person here, including the infants. Everyone old enough ought to keep one of these, one of these on his person all the time. On your scapula, around your neck, on your keychain, somehow, but you ought to have it with you all the time. For the infants, just put it above their crib, high enough so it's out of reach, but that'll protect them at night and whatnot, okay? St. Anthony's Brief. I talked about that before. This is a little card. You can put it in your wallet, under your mattress. It also drives away devils and helps protect or prevent temptation. So you keep it in your pocket or in your wallet or something. It'll protect you. So everyone gets uh, one of those. All right. A medal and a holy card of St. Rocco, also known as St. Rock. Now, uh, this one's easy to recognize because uh, St. Rock is dressed like a medieval pilgrim. He's got a pilgrim staff, and he's got a dog with food in his mouth and a bare leg with open sores. Okay? Why is that? St. Rock was born with a distinctive red cross-shaped birthmark on the left side of his chest. He's orphaned as a teenager. And at the age of 17... He decided to go on a pilgrimage from France to Rome. On the way, he ended up stopping in an area that was stricken with the bubonic plague. Not only did he nurse many of the sick people, he cured, miraculously cured many of them by just doing the sign of the cross over them. He traveled around for years, nursing people and curing them miraculously by the sign of the cross from the plague and other diseases. In one town, he ended up catching the plague himself banished to the countryside. That's why the leg with the sores. So he's banished to the countryside, and then a dog started showing up and bringing him food. That's why the dog's on there. Ultimately, the dog brought its master. The master took St. Rock back to his place, nursed him to health, and then when St. Rock finally fully recovered, he walked back to the town and healed all the townspeople and livestock by just doing the sign of cross over them. Did the sign of cross over the town. When he returned home, no one recognized him, and he was jailed as a spy for the next five years. On August 16, 1378, a guard saw the dungeon illuminated by this strange blue light. So he went into the dungeon, and he found the light emanating from St. Rock, who was on the verge of death. So he summoned the governor, who demanded the prisoner identify himself. In a faint voice, St. Rock said to the governor, I'm your nephew, Rock, and then he died. And so, after he checked St. Rock's chest and he saw that little red cross-shaped birthmark, the governor realized it really had been his nephew, and he'd had him locked up. As they're standing there, they suddenly hear a voice, a heavenly voice, announced that St. Rock's soul had merited eternal glory in heaven. After his death, miracles increased. 
For example, during the Council of Constance in 1414, this is one of the ecumenical councils of the church, the plague struck Constance while the council was meeting there. So the council fathers ordered that public prayers be, be prayed out, begging for St. Rock's intercession, and the plague stopped. Okay, Father, so why do you want us to have these medals and cards? To protect you from sickness or epidemics. There's a prayer to St. Rock on the back to pr- protect us from pestilence. So like suppose something like this bird flu t- turns out to be a big deal. We're already geared up and ready to go. So make copies of prayers, stick them in your medicine chest, uh, in your Bible, places like that, safe places so you have them when you need them, all right? We also have a, a holy card of St. Hubert, and he's on the back of a lot of these St. Rock medals. If you turn it over, it won't say who that is. It's St. Hubert. St. Hubert, when you see him in artwork, he's standing there a lot of times with a bow or a spear, and there's a stag with a crucifix uh, between its horns, right up there between the antlers, okay? What's the story of St. Hubert? St. Hubert was born in about 656 in what is now Belgium. As a young man, he wasn't particularly pious. And one good Friday, instead of going to church, he decided to go hunting. So he saddles up and off he's riding and he, he, he spooks up a really magnificent stag. And he's running after it and all of a sudden it stops and turns. And when it turns, he can see this crucifix standing between its antlers. You know, you see reins up, obviously that's not your one each issue uh, type big game situation. So he stopped and he's staring at that thing and all of a sudden he hear a voice from heaven. He says, Hubert, unless you turn to the Lord and lead a holy life, you will quickly fall into hell. So Hubert jumped off his horse and knelt down and said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the voice replied, go and seek Lambert and he will instruct you. Now Lambert is the bishop. Lambert's St. Lambert. So St. Hubert went and found St. Lambert, made a good confession, got his life lined out, ultimately was ordained a priest by St. Lambert. When St. Lambert died about 705, St. Hubert ended up replacing him. St. Hubert founded the town of Liège and spent much of his life going around preaching and doing miracles to convert all the pagans who lived in the Ardennes forest. It's a lot smaller than it was now than it was then. That's where the Battle of the Bulge was fought. But he converted all the pagans from idolatry in there by means of preaching and miracles. Example, one time he's walking along and some possessed woman came up foaming at the mouth and shrieking out a bunch of crazy things and he does the sign of the cross bang. Uh, she's freed. This makes a huge impression on people that have no power over the devils. You pagans, they just torment you. And somebody does a sign of the cross and they're free. Anyway, that's a little bit about St. Hubert. Okay, Father, why do you want us to have a card of St. Hubert and St. Hubert bread? That's what's in the package is, is St. Hubert bread. Well, it's not because he's the patron saint of hunters, but because, among other things, St. Hubert's bread has a blessing. And the blessing on that bread prevents, protects men. It has blessings for animals, too, but we'll just talk about that. It protects men from infestations of the devil, from a sudden and unprovided death, from rabies and other diseases of the body and the soul. So what you want to do is keep it in your freezer. Then suppose we get an epidemic. You pull out this bread, and then every day for nine days, you eat a little, little itty-bitty piece of it before breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or that time of day, and say the creed and nine Our Fathers and nine Hail Marys. And sometime in that nine days... You go to confession and receive communion. That's that's how that works. Sometime this fall we'll announce a day and have everybody bring in water and salt and bread and bless a whole loaf or whatever. Because there's also St. Hubert salt and St. Hubert water, but there's no way I could figure out how to juggle all this stuff. But anyway, that's what you do with St. Hubert bread. Let's close. We started by talking about the importance of protecting sheep from predators. 
we saw a parallel between protecting the natural life of sheep or predators by using a good natural means called bullets. And we see uh, the importance of protecting the supernatural life of the good shepherd sheep from predators like devils, the world, the flesh, those kind of dangers, by using supernatural means, the sacramentals. We've seen that sacramentals are holy things or actions which the church uses to obtain favors from God. We've seen that the chief kinds of sacramentals are first, blessings given by priests and bishops, second, exorcisms to drive out evil spirits, and third, blessed objects of devotions. We've seen that the blessing at the end of absolution has the power to turn all of our good works, all of our acts of penance and mortification, and all of our sufferings into sacramentals so that they help remit our sins, they increase our grace, and obtain eternal life. We've seen that parents ought to bless their children. You ought to bless them by just tracing the sign of the cross on their forehead with your thumb and saying, May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost descend upon you and protect you from all evil. Children, Godchildren, grandchildren, and so forth. You can do this when they're laying in bed, or you can have them kneel down before you to get the blessing before they go to bed or go out. I've seen that St. Benedict's medals, holy water, are incredibly powerful weapons against these morons from hell. And that women can use holy water to bring peace in the home when the husband gets excited by taking a good drink and not swallowing it till the urge to argue passes or he quiets down. We've seen that St. Rock and St. Hubert are both powerful intercessors to protect us from diseases. The Good Shepherd loves us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us. He wants to make sure we have all the spiritual weapons we need to be protected against the attacks of the world, the flesh, and the devil.